Welcome to Engaging and Empowering School Libraries, a podcast that aims to raise the profile of school libraries by talking about topics that are current across education and teaching. Today, Daryl Turian and I are continuing our monthly chat, Fossil Education and School Libraries, and we hope to engage with the content on the Fossil Group website, introduce you to people who are using Fossil in schools, but most of all, just have a conversation about the role of the school librarian within education. So this month, so hi again, Daryl. Yes, good Hope to see you. Well. <laughs> yeah, good, thank you. So this month we're chatting about the IASL conference and Daryl's chapter for the IFLA Digital Literacy Book. So start with telling me what IASL stands for, please. Uh, so IASL is the International Association of School Librarianship. Okay. Um, and... Yeah, uh, it, 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 it would be worth maybe at some point um, talking about IASL and the IFLA School Library section okay. um, and something about their histories. Uh, so, 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 so maybe that could be a topic for next time because okay. I think it would, it would have been very easy for those two associations to be antagonistic towards okay. each other. And they have actually found uh, a way to cooperate on important projects, so joint projects uh, that really have benefited and strengthened the international school library community. Okay. Uh, so IASL is um, interesting because <clears throat> their conferences have two tracks. Um, so one of the tracks is really focused on uh, what practitioners are doing in the classroom. And there is another track that is more focused on um, theory and research. So there's a good, there's a good mix and a good balance of uh, theory and practical work that is going on. And you can see that very clearly in the programs. Okay, sounds interesting, sounds good. Mm. So, But you joined the conference this time in August. Um, so it's clear that your IFLA presentation, sorry, in August, builds on your IASL presentation in July. Um, could we start by summarizing these two presentations? Is that possible? So what I so so maybe the bit the, the the best way to do that would be if if I just start by sharing some general impressions that yeah. I took away from the IASL conference in July. So that yeah. that conference is specifically for school librarians from around the world. Okay. Um but then what I did is for um an inset session for our start of term. So on Tuesday, uh, I reported back on developments over the holiday. So I summarized for colleagues at school uh, the main points from the IASL conference, as well as my presentation of my chapter for the IFLA Digital Literacy book. Okay. Um, so I'm, I'm going to be uploading that inset presentation to the Fossil Group website um, hopefully in the next couple of days. 
right? Maybe if I just talk through that, that will that will be the most concise summary of those two, but it will also give an indication of how um, the, the argument that I was putting forward in the at, at the IASL conference, how um, I developed that in the IFLA digital literacy chapter. Okay. So for, for the IASL conference, one of the things that was really interesting is that we ended the last academic year um, for various reasons. I was reminded of a saying that a, a community is the stories that it tells and the songs that it sings. Yeah. So if you listen to a group of people talking and you listen carefully to what they're talking about, it tells you something about who they are <laughs> and what they're about. Um, and that isn't necessarily always um, constructive. So okay. what, so because, because quite often, if you listen to people talking, um, a lot of that time is spent moaning about stuff. A lot of people moan, yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, and so it's very refreshing to be around a group of people who are really excited about the future, um, who have a vision for the future, a plan for the future, and are actively working towards that. It's a bit similar. To, sorry, it's a bit similar to something that I'm uh, currently focused on, which is which is going to your head teacher with a solution rather than a problem. Yes, and I think it links quite nicely in the fact that it's too easy for um, people to moan about their lot, but not actually come up with any solutions. And actually, if we can turn that on its head, it changes the conversation. It changes the person and the 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 role that you're doing from somebody who's doing something fairly minor to actually somebody who is talking about things that are going to solve problems in schools and I think that that's a really important factor that that we need to get across I suppose and that's part of what you're talking about which is great so that that was the um perspective that I went to the conference with. Uh, and the, the, the one thing that struck me immediately from the program, um, and it's not specifically this, this program, because uh, I then thought about other school librarian programs, uh, conference programs. And, um, you know, those conference programs are full of amazing people doing amazing things. <laughs> Yeah. Um, but the real sense is that those amazing things are pulling those colleagues in different directions and they are pulling the profession in many different directions. So one of the things that struck me and came out in um, almost all of my conversations with colleagues um, and from some of the sessions that I attended, is that there is a, a real concern about a lack of uh, a coherent identity, an instructional identity for school librarians. So what is a school librarian and what does a school librarian do as a consequence? Yeah. So um, the really interesting thing for me, just before we 
um, get into to my presentation um, because I had included that in my presentation is that it seems like many colleagues are rediscovering the IFLA School Library guidelines and in the process forgetting what conclusion the guidelines draw. So the guidelines draw together 60 years worth of research and work into an international consensus about what the instructional role of the school librarian is. And I've spoken about that, I've written about that, you've spoken about that, you've written um, about that. So the, the core instructional activities are clear. And the, the one thing that came out of the conversations that I was having is that we have to have clarity about what our instructional identity is, what our instructional role is, and we have to be disciplined about all of those activities, which is why I've been arguing for quite a while that if we have an inquiry-centered instructional program, it encompasses all of the other instructional activities. And it means then that we have a balanced instructional program. So, so just just to butt in slightly, are you saying that if conferences took the overall view that the IFLA school library guidelines were our focus and our understanding of what it is that school librarians do, it would change the nature of conferences? Although a lot of what is being done in a conference can be clearly linked to the IFLA School Library Guidelines based on, you know, whether it's literacy and reading promotion or technology integration. Why do you think there needs... Are we losing focus because there isn't a focus from the top? Are we saying that? So I I think one... One of the the things that I've noticed, and you've picked up on it and you've touched on it in various ways before, is that if I'm being honest, and I'm, and, and I'm not even necessarily just speaking about the UK, because there are other countries that are wrestling with similar things. Yeah. Um, and maybe all countries, to a greater or lesser extent, are wrestling with the same thing. Um, unless we're in a position where we are able to say all school librarians are able to offer this, it becomes very difficult to go to colleagues outside of the library, including leadership, and to say to them, this is what your school library can do for you. Absolutely. I find that when I'm writing. You know, yep. if, if I'm writing specifically to heads of school and I'm stating the fact that this is all a, a librarian can do, we know that a lot of them, because of various different reasons, can't. 
so how do we how do we get around that then how do we yeah we need we there needs to be support for librarianship or libraries or, or school librarians in order to help them engage but they you know we're heading off on a real tact uh, because of course this is all down to you know the fact that most school librarians in the UK we know don't get paid very well so you know being in the library issuing and returning books and and engaging children in reading for pleasure is is probably enough within their pay grade it's but we also know that there are school librarians who want more who need more who understand that their role is more it's a really difficult balance to find isn't it so that that is one of the things that emerged for me as a theme or a concern out of that IASL conference right um is so so that is a that is a challenge for the leadership of the profession yes, yes. so the leadership of the profession needs to have a vision for what school librarianship is and needs to have a clear plan about how they are going to get the profession there now yeah. That may not necessarily be the same as the vision that is in the IFLA School Library Guidelines. However, <laughs> um, the School Library Guidelines provide us with a very clear, evidence-informed identity, instructional identity for the school librarian. So. Yeah. It wouldn't make sense to me to reinvent. So, so the problem with the conference is that, and I think it's because there is a challenge to the profession more broadly, is school librarians latch onto a combination of what interests them and what they're good at, but also... Um, whatever particular opportunities their particular school might offer them. Absolutely. So yeah. there's nothing wrong with that, and that needs to be applauded. Yeah. The problem is, or the challenge is, um, how does that relate back to our instructional identity? How does it fit into a balanced instructional program so that we are able over time to be saying all school librarians can offer this. And here are some particularly excellent examples of this bit, this bit, this bit, and this bit. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's a challenge. <laughs> yes. And, and, uh, and uh, um, an opportunity for another conversation. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Plenty of conversations to be had, Daryl. Yeah. So, so Go back to yes. the, the presentation. So um the so the, the, the inset presentation, because this will um link to um a further question later on uh about what next. Mm. So the the uh focus of the inset presentation was building community 
communities of inquiry. Um, and I took a quotation from an interview with Michael Young from um, September 2022. So Michael Young uh, produced some very influential work on um, powerful knowledge. And this interview was a reflection on his evolving understanding of powerful knowledge. So there isn't really um, an opportunity here to go into what that means. But the really interesting thing is that um, his the, 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 the title of the interview is What We've Got Wrong About Knowledge. And um, in that, he, he says that um, the curriculum is not just a body of knowledge. So that's what we tend to think of. So the yeah. curriculum is stuff that needs to be taught and or learned. Yeah. Um, but he says the curriculum is not just a body of knowledge or bodies of knowledge. It's groups of communities that we need to encourage students to join. So each subject is a community and the task, our task, which will become clear as the, um, as, as we work through the presentation, the task, um, our, our first task is to engage students in, to draw them into that community. So already there is a connection with connect. Yeah, yeah. Engaging intellectually, and emotionally. Um, so what, what sums up for me inquiry as a stance and a process um, is a quotation by Charles Sanders Pierce. Um, and he says that in order to learn, you must desire to learn. And in so desiring, not be satisfied with what you are already inclined to think. Okay. So in other words, um, in order to learn, you have to, to desire to learn and you have to be open to learning. You have to be open to being changed by what you learn. Now, the interesting thing there, so he goes on then to say, do not block the way of inquiry. Yeah. Um, now that was 1955. The really interesting thing is that um, in Michael Young's interview in 2022, uh, he writes, acquiring knowledge in school has to be the voluntary act of the learner. You can't actually teach anybody anything. They have to learn it. You can help them and then listen to the language they have to have the desire to know. In order to learn, you have to desire to learn. That is our most urgent task. I must, I must admit, I can, I can almost um, associate it with my own learning. So as a child at school, I went through the motions. I was one of those middle-of-the-road children that I, I wasn't badly behaved. I wasn't poor at what I was doing but I wasn't interested enough to push myself further and left school at 16. It wasn't until libraries became a thing for me um, through through chance um, that I realised 
and understood a passion for learning and the difference having a an interest in what you're learning about was really um valid that um you know outstanding i i would not have said the 16 year old me would have managed to get a master's no. <laughs> you no. know but that was based on my willingness to learn at mm. that point and so i think it links in quite nicely with what you're saying is that we have to find a way in in engaging children students enough to want to learn that's quite a big challenge though isn't it Dal? absolutely and that is that is a challenge that we share with our classroom colleagues mm. collaborating with them to draw students into these communities disciplines subjects um and awakening or nurturing this desire to learn mm. so that is our that is our primary task and um so you will see as as the presentation unfolds um how that naturally leads into an inquiry process okay. the whole point about connect is it's partly about what you already know it's it's also and possibly even more importantly about um, stimulating intellectual and emotional engagement in the learning process that then follows from that. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so just to, so, so because the focus was, so how, how do we develop these, um, these communities of inquiry? Um, so it's important to remember that all of, so, so our definition of inquiry, which I will return to in a minute, um, our definition of inquiry is rooted in, uh, so I just want to get the, um, the dates right. So um, that definition is rooted in the um, work of the Galileo Educational Network, yep. which was the professional learning arm of the School of Education at the University of Calgary, from 1999 to 2022. The work of the Galileo Educational Network is built on the foundation of the Developing Inquiring Communities in Education project. Okay. Um, and that was led by the Ontario Institute for Studies in Education at the University of Toronto from 1991 to 2001. Um, so that work is 30 years worth of theory-informed practice and practice-refined theory. Yeah. So it is the most extraordinary um, body of work in, in actual schools, in actual classrooms. Yeah. Um, all age levels, all subjects. Yeah. But the conclusion, so the conclusion of the Developing Inquiring Communities in Education project is that the force that drives the enacted curriculum must be a pervasive spirit of inquiry and the dominant purpose of all activities must be an increase in understanding. 
So immediately we've gone from connect to construct. Right. Um, however, so, so this is where it becomes really interesting and challenging and really important in relation to community. Um, there is no straightforward or universal method for achieving these goals. <laughs> if classrooms are to become places where students are actively and enthusiastically attempting to construct answers to questions that are of real interest to them, more will be needed than the introduction of prepackaged inquiry activities taken from teacher's manuals or downloaded from the internet. Okay. Now, there, there are two reasons for that. The first one, he says, is that really interesting questions really have simple answers. Yeah. The second thing is every classroom is unique. Now, that is because every classroom is um, made up of unique students as well as a unique teacher. So um, because of that, teachers and students together must become a community of inquiry with respect to all aspects of the life of the classroom and all areas of the curriculum. So um, that, that is a very exciting and very demanding challenge. So just to make sure I've got this, understanding this right, if, if, we're talking about individual teachers and individual students. It must change then with it in each individual classroom. Yes. So, so the resources that we're publishing on the Fossil Group website, the workbooks, ah. you could you could say that they are standardized to download. But we're saying, you, we're saying more than that, though, aren't we? Yeah. Yes. So they are only that if you call them workbooks. Okay. Which is which is Barbara's point about graphic organizers. Yeah. So a graphic organizer is a tool to think with. Okay. A workbook or a worksheet is something that you fill in. Uh, but Daryl, it says workbook on your website. <laughs> <laughs> so now now so if if you if you remember um we've been on this journey since before 2011 yeah and we were figuring out what exactly it was that we had found our way into yeah so one of the things um, that we will need to revisit at some point is um, consistency of language. Right. So many people think of those things as um, sheets that children need to fill in yes. as opposed to tools to help children learn certain skills, um, but also to reflect on, to, to, to capture and reflect on their learning. 
Yeah. So the process is the same. The kinds of tools that we might be using in each stage of the process are more or less the same. But the point that we're saying is that the way that individual teachers and librarians are going to use that in their teaching situation, their classroom, is going to differ from school to school. Yes. And that's why it's not possible to say that this is what fossil-based inquiry looks like. This is exactly how you do it. These are the steps that you go through. Everybody does it in the same way. It's done. Yeah. Yeah, because, I, you know, often I've had... I've had um, school librarians ask, you know, it's not possible to do all of fossil in one lesson. It's, it's, you know, you can give an overview of, you know, in a, possibly in an hour of, of the, the cycle, but you can't actually teach or help students to learn anything in that amount of time. So it's about finding the tool, finding the graphic organizer that assists you to do that lesson or that skill and using the graphic organizers in that way as an opportunity to help you as the teacher librarian navigate that skill is where they come in and 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 play their part would you say partly um, because mm. I think we actually, we at the same time, we also need to be more ambitious. Right. Because actually what we're wanting to do is we're wanting to start talking to colleagues about what we've spoken to up until now, that the curriculum is not content. It's not just content. It's communities. Yeah. yeah. Um, and we're needing to engage students in the process of learning within that community. That is what we need to be interested in. That is what we need to be excited about. Then we're looking for opportunities with certain colleagues within those communities, those disciplines, those subjects, um, to do more of this kind of stuff. So that may be the opportunity that may present itself, maybe a single lesson, where there is an important opportunity to draw attention to um, and develop very specific skills that are part of the inquiry process. Or it may, in fact, be an opportunity to begin thinking about how to design a full inquiry at a certain point in time in relation to a certain topic. Yeah. Um, So I think the challenge, and I think you've highlighted it quite well, is we are tending to think about it from the bottom up. So we have this small opportunity to do something that is bigger. But the challenge for us is to begin thinking about the bigger picture and what we can do to steer the conversation towards that bigger picture and then looking for opportunities which may be very small. So it is definitely about training and understanding, isn't it? The more you understand about 
fossil and it's and ifla the school library guidelines i suppose gives you an opportunity as and when they arise so it's a it's a big ask because it's quite a difficult thing to help school librarians understand isn't it so we've been we've been wrestling i've been wrestling with this since i became since i stumbled into school librarianship in 2003 mm. i have been wrestling with learning experimenting adapting developing um and we need to be doing that collectively as a as a profession so well even with my own training it, it it's do you teach the bigger picture do you teach the individual how to to you know take those small opportunities that you get do you you know how deep do you go into it it's 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 a it's a much bigger task than just you know yeah I, you know my next training that's coming up is is developing for year seven which is what a lot of schools and school librarians are looking for but there has to you know there's going to be a lot of thought in in how how do these library lessons sit you know if you've got the opportunity to teach library lessons library skills in year seven what does that actually mean so it, it's an exciting challenge but it but it's something that I think yeah, we're both we're both learning. <laughs> we're both on the on the road, you know, road of of yeah, taking up this challenge and seeing where it takes us. Well, that's because we're a community. So our discipline is a community of inquiry. Yeah, and there are no prepackaged, ready-made, <laughs> uh, paint by numbers. Yeah, 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 yeah. Mm. Um. So. I think the thing, again, that's interesting is that in Michael Young's interview, if we just remember in him saying that the community is, um, the curriculum is not just knowledge. It's it's communities that we need to be encouraging students to join. So we mm -hmm. need to understand something about those communities. And we need to be thinking about how we can work with, collaborate with teachers yeah. to engage students to draw them in to those communities that that must be our starting point i think yeah. Yeah, yeah. um so to to get um um to 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 get specifically then onto the um the IASL conference our workshop so the the purpose of that workshop was specifically um to unpack our year six interdisciplinary signature work inquiry. Mm -hmm. So details about that are available on uh, in the forum on the website. Yeah. And our presentation, the, the PowerPoint presentation is, is already available to download from Fossil Presentation. So if anybody's interested in the signature work inquiry part, um, that stuff is there. Um, I'll put a link, I will put a link in the show notes as well, Dale. Okay. Um, so the but but so but in terms of the argument that I was developing, um Neil Postman writing in the 60s 
argued that of all of the educational, um, um, of all of the survival strategies that education can offer, the most potent was inquiry. Yeah. Um, but over the course of his writing career, um, his enthusiasm for inquiry cooled okay. because of um, an, um, a number of tendencies. So he identified three tendencies that had robbed inquiry of its potency. Okay. So we've added, so we are, um, Jenny and I added a fourth. Okay. So I'll just mention quickly what they are yep. um, because the whole point is that we can, we, we can and have overcome them. So the first one is divorcing inquiry as a dynamic process and skills from learning important content. Okay. So there the point is that um, when we have an opportunity to, to do something for teachers, um, because generally we don't have a lot of time, our focus very quickly becomes teaching skills yes, or introducing the process and maybe some skills without yeah. any reference to the important content, subject content, disciplinary content that students should be learning. Right. So the consequence of that is that when we are asking teachers for opportunities to do stuff, that has to be at the expense of learning subject content. Right. So the challenge is that we teach process and skills directed at learning subject content. Yes, yes. So this is absolutely this is the problem with teaching year seven library skills because it needs to be curriculum content led, doesn't it? <laughs> it needs to have a a something to hook it onto. It's not just a random skill that we're going to learn or teach. We're, it's it's yeah. So you're better, far better to have your history teacher or your geography teacher involved so that they can teach content with the skills is what you're saying, isn't it? Yeah. So so the challenge there is we have to figure out how to demonstrate that these lessons can result in students learning subject content. That so that's a challenge. We've yeah. got to we've got to figure out who do I need to approach? Who can I work with in order to take this, to move this away from something that happens in the library and has no direct connection with what is happening in the classroom yeah. to demonstrating how important content can be learned through this process um, with these skills. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> the, 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 the second one is um, reducing inquiry to a mechanical process by divorcing it from a spirit of wonder and puzzlement. So the whole point is that inquiry is a dynamic process 
of coming to know and understand um, that arises out of a sense of wonder and puzzlement. In order to learn, you must desire to learn. So if we haven't awakened that desire, then inquire. So so that is when inquiry becomes a tick box exercise. So step one, do this. Step two, do this. Step three, do this. Step four, do this. They don't care. We don't care. Uh, Here's the the outcome. Nobody's, yeah. Yeah. Um, The third one, which we added, is a combination of both of those. So divorcing inquiry from both a spirit of wonder and puzzlement and a dynamic process, thereby reducing it to a thoughtless fact-finding activity. Yes. So that's um, go away and find five facts. Yeah. There's no, we're not even teaching a process. We aren't teaching any skills. Um, there's no sense of wonder and puzzlement. Um, the fact-finding research serves no purpose. It's a meaningless, thoughtless exercise. Yeah. Um, and then the, the the final one, which he added, was um, the engineering of learning through ever more technical teaching methods based on hard evidence from cognitive science. Okay. So I think that is an overemphasis on this is the stuff that students need to know, to learn. What do we as teachers do to ensure that they learn that more effectively? Yeah. Now, um, the interesting thing again was in that Michael Young interview, so that was Neil Postman writing in 1996. Michael Young writing in 2022 um, says, if you haven't encouraged students to engage in the process of acquiring knowledge, the process of acquiring knowledge, which is a very difficult process, then all you get is memorization and reproduction in tests. So if that's what you're interested in, well, then this is the most efficient way, the most effective and efficient way to do that. If you're interested in more than that, well, then it isn't. Um, So those are the four debilitating tendencies that rob inquiry of its educational potency. Um, So in, so so then moving to the digital literacy book. um, Go on then. No, sorry. No, I was just going to say, is it worth stopping at that point and, and, talking about the digital literacy book the next time or do you think that there's a there's a if no no i'm absolutely happy to return to that the next time yeah okay well i think i think we've covered such a lot today that needs digesting that actually we might just leave it there today i am going to take the opportunity to do a little bit of advertising and um, introduce Engaging in School Libraries, a transformative training membership designed exclusively for innovative school librarians and teachers. If you're an educator or school with a shared passion for fostering collaboration between teachers and librarians across all subjects, then I extend a warm invitation for you to join me on this remarkable journey. My mission is simple yet powerful to empower school librarians and teachers through comprehensive training and unwavering support. 
By equipping them with the necessary tools and knowledge, I aim to enhance independent learning, elevate literacy levels and nurture overall student well-being through the incredible resource that is your school library. By joining my community, you'll embark on an exciting adventure along like, like, alongside like-minded individuals who are equally committed to educational excellence. Together, we'll explore unique learning experiences that embrace innovation and encourages the growth of your students. For more information about this extraordinary opportunity, please visit the link provided in the show notes below and don't miss out on the chance to be part of this empowering initiative. Um, so, you know, Daryl, it's always really, really interesting talking to you about, about your journey, but our journey. Do you know, I you spark ideas off me and and you make me understand that actually what I think in a slightly more simplistic way than you do, that that actually we are having a very shared conversation and I really find it fascinating. So so thanks again for joining me. Um we hope anyone listening has enjoyed the Fossil podcast. As always, if you'd like to comment on anything you have heard, we'd love to hear from you. And don't forget just to, to subscribe to this podcast so you don't miss out on future discussions. Thanks very much for listening. Thank you. <laughs>